Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show with your host, Nadia Khalil. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to today's show. I see the switchboard lighting up very slowly this morning, so people are just waking up. It's kind of funny to see after a holiday. It's it's just so interestingly predictable because everyone ate a lot yesterday, and today feels like Saturday or Sunday, and it's actually Friday, so it's kind of funny that we do that, but I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving, and if you are not in America and you are in another country knowing we had Thanksgiving, I hope that it rem- it was just a short reminder that it's just a day to be grateful, or whatever it is, just be grateful, because it goes a long way. So I have two questions. And one of them, um, both are from Ireland. One is from Chris Kipwoods, and he says, Nadia, I'm just awakening up. I'm just wakening up one morning and heard a voice say, smile beyond the need to live. Can you tell me what that means? Thank you. I don't know exactly what it means to you, but just hearing that phrase, smile beyond the need to live, is to put life in perspective. We just lose perspective because we get so caught up in what someone thinks and what someone does and what we're doing to the point where we're actually become counter-effective, if there's ever a term. We take away our own power, excuse me, to take care of ourselves. So what happens? Smile beyond the need to love. There was something Christ talked to me about. In the beginning, and in the beginning, I'm saying probably the first three years of hearing him. And he, and he told me we will evolve to the other side of truth, the other side of love, to the other side of purity. Right now, we are evolving to claim those things within ourselves, to own them, to see when our ego is attacking who we are, and overcoming that. So our thresholds right now are in the building phases of understanding just self-evolvement. We're reclaiming who we are. Once we reclaim who we are, we think, well, then I'll know everything and I'll be fine. But of course, if we're still here, the challenges we need. We need those challenges. So What's the other side of that? What does the other side of love mean? Well, it's when we feel safe again in our world, in our environment, and the things that we learn are things for the greater of all of us. And there are people now that have started to practice these kinds of thinkings and growings, and they don't have time for all the riffraff of the older people because they are a generation who's looking to be here for a while. So they want a different life. And if I were 10, 11, 15, 20, I too would want a different life. 
I would definitely be looking at life differently. So when we smile beyond the need to live is to face our greatest fear, and that is dying. Every single thing we are sold goes back to living your best life, which means not dying. Or we're sold through fear. Do this, because look what could happen if you don't. It's always something catastrophic. Maybe not like, okay, you're going to drop dead, but catastrophic. And it always amazes me the um, commercials that they have for medications and then that long list of all the different crazy medical things that can happen to you, provided that you are, um, you know, just so crazy when I see those commercials, um, if you take it. So the side effects are, you know, havoc. And yet they read them and they read them quickly because by law they have to. And yet they show somebody living a great life while they're telling you that. So the contradiction is is quite vast. And we have learned to live in that contradiction. It looks great, but it's awful. Looks great, but it's awful. Tastes great, but it's awful. Drinks great, but it's awful. And we're used to seeing things that are hurting us and killing us every single day. But through rhetoric and through advertising and through everything telling us how great it is to do these things, in a way, we don't believe it. And then we even say, I'll take my chances. I've heard many people say, well, we're going to die from something. So just smiling beyond the need to live gives you that boost of not having to fear. And then when you do feel that, what happens to our brain? We start to see things for what they are, not what we want them to be, but for what they are. There's a huge difference between what we want something to be and what it is. And we start to see it for what it is. So I hope that answered your question, Chris. And I know you're across way across the pond. So um, I hope you're awake when you're hearing this. I don't know what time it is by you, maybe early evening. Okay. I have another question, and this one is was from Liam, and it was in regards on Instagram to a um, post I put where the fear of love is the love of fear, going back to fear, 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 which is the driver, right? Fear of death, fear of love, fear of us really doing what we want to do because then we won't know who we are. Maybe we're used to struggling. Maybe we're used to seeking. Maybe we're used to all this stuff and we don't know who we are without it. So we don't grow past it. So he said, these are very beautiful words, but I'll ask you a question. What happens when fear is so strong and the love is so weak within a soul that it affects others negatively? How can a group such as a workforce, be expected to believe in love over fear when a fearful soul is affecting everyone. Most of the time, anywhere I have ever worked, that fearful soul either got seen for who they were and people responded by either trying to help them not be fearful, teach them to not be fearful through experience, Or 
they did try and the person still carries those personality traits and that they tend to distance themselves because they don't want to catch the fearful bug, right? They don't want to, they don't want to live in that state of mind. Other times, if other people or enough people in that environment are also fearful, there may be this group or this energy that starts to act and react to the worst case scenario all day long, which is the fearful scenario. But in the big picture, people who affect others negatively are huge teachers because it's not just about them, but to somebody who does that, it's all about them. They really don't care how it affects others. They are going to do what they're going to do, which is why it gets to the point of it becoming public behavior. And, and you can't control that. The only person who can control that is that person. And it's a catch-22 because if someone is so weak within love, and this is that's exactly where I got caught up with people. I thought and believed that if somebody who was weak in love and high in fear and was a negative personality, that I could change that. I found out I could, but not when I'm close to those people. I found out that when you get close to them, they suck you into that world. They, they keep getting to know you and getting to know you and getting to know you until they're familiar with you. Then they use you against you. And they start bringing you into that negativity. Well, you know, you're not so great. Look at you. Look what you did. And they start pointing fingers and doing all this stuff. So then... The person who's getting attacked like that is definitely going to put the running shoes on because who the heck wants to go through that? Nobody. So I learned that people will learn what they need to learn, let's just say from me because it was my experience, by finding it themselves. Because now I'm not teaching them. I'm not talking to them. They are making up their own mind. That's where I learned you cannot change anybody. Ever. You can affect people. You can help people. But the only person who can change another soul is that soul fearful or not. So how can a group such as a workforce be expected to believe in love over fear? Well, when you're talking about a workforce, you're talking about a bunch of people. So you're going to have a huge variable of emotions and ways people react. But the stronger people will say, oh, that person is in that world. That's not a world. I want to live in anymore because at some point they may have or they may not actually have the physical time to take care of a fearful soul. 
I remember days when I was younger, we'd say, oh, so-and-so's such a great person. They worry about everybody. I didn't want to be around the person who worried because I wanted to try life. So when fear is strong and love is weak within a soul, and it affects other people negatively, the person whose fear is strong and love is weak already knows that. that were me, I would try to mentor under someone who wasn't fearful so that I could see that the lack of fear actually works better than the adoption of fear so that I could grow. I remember clearly after I started having interactions with Christ, I used to say to Christ, Whatever I fear, please bring to my door. I want to see it. And every time I get one fear out of the way, another one would show up. I did not realize how much fear was embedded in my thoughts. And then I realized that it was embedded in everybody's thoughts. Because we were taught to think in fear. And to a lot of people my age, even till this day, if they have not worked with me or heard me speak before, and I have conversations with them, it's like the conversations I had with them 20 years ago. Well, you know. Well, there's no way we can, whatever. There's some people who got to know me very intensely and tried to figure me out and break my code or break who I was, learned everything they can about me and from me. And then they turn around and lived their life and they gave everybody else this interesting credit for it. I didn't care. I never cared. I realized there's seven kinds of people in the world. That's what Christ told me. So I knew where to put people. And I understood that sometimes people, when they get help from someone, they don't want to admit it because they don't want to admit that that was where they needed to heal. And in in the bigger picture, they had to go out and light. It's like I become the parent and they have to hate me to go out in life and figure it out on their own. And that fear that they had prior to meeting me kind of marginalized, and then they just began to start to believe. And then once they got out into the world on their own and realized that they can still survive and love that they're not going to get so hurt that they can't take the pain or whatever it was stopping them. Usually it's the fear of love and not understanding what love means. And then later they come back and say, hey, you know what? I miss you. And those are beautiful to hear because I know that somewhere inside of them, 
the love that I gave them at the time I gave it to them and couldn't be felt at that time because there was too much negativity in them that it balanced out. When we know something so deeply and we believe it with every fiber of our being, we don't feel like we have to go out and prove anything. When we are spewing negativity to others, and the best one is the people that I found do that, blame the people that love them, and then they wonder why those people actually made a conscious decision to not interact with negativity. They didn't choose to not interact with you as a human being because they obviously cared about you enough to give you time, which is our most valuable asset. It's the negativity that they chose not to be around. Warren Buffett said one of the most insightful things in one sentence, and I'm not, I don't know much about Warren Buffett, but I do know this quote from him. And he said, never take anything personally. Christ said, do what you have to do, say what you have to say. And what anybody thinks about you is none of your business. Both things saying the same thing, that in our world, we make choices every day, with or without the people we meet. When we meet somebody and interact with them, when we do that, What happens? We're still the same person that we are when we're not interacting with them. But they now are participating with us in who we are. Think about that. They're now participants. They are engaging in who we are every single day. And they gave us permission to share that, good, bad, or indifferent. If we're angry, we're going to eventually, as we get to know people and get a little comfortable, we feel like now you can act out what you need to act out and you can get away with it. And when I was younger, and I'm saying even two years ago younger, I took everybody's junk box. because I thought I could help them. And Christ had to show me example after example after example. It just went on and on and on and on. But that doesn't work. You cannot, and it's an origin of truth, you cannot be the problem and the solution at the same time. 
And for the people that have anger or have greater fear, when you start to touch their fear, they lash out. And when they lash out, who are they going to lash out on? The person that already got sucked in to help them. Now I can see the pattern and I stay way far away from it. When people start becoming confrontational, I know that I've gotten too close. I don't have the time and neither do you to fight everybody's negative, toxic, or inept feelings. But they will get through it. So when Christ told me before, run, don't walk away, he didn't say it like anger, like punish that person. That's how you help people. When somebody's negative, they're only negative to you when they're close to you. When they get away from you, they start to see your value again because, believe it or not, they respect you for pushing negativity away, not for pushing them away. And they do know that deep down inside. But if they still have a lot of anger, they still want to point fingers. But the reason Christ said, run, don't walk away, is because he said, God leaves no one behind, and God will take care of them. So I now believe that. I thought still as a human being that I wanted to be everybody's mother. And you know what? I still feel that way. But the kind of mother I am has changed for the better. Because had I not reeled myself in, I would not have been able to do this work and reach more people. I would not have been been able to even film what I did or do what I'm doing now. Christ did not allow for any of that to happen until I had enough experience to understand the simplicity and the deep-seated truth of what I was taught from him. Every single thing I share with you, we, Christ and I, are sharing. That's, That's the truth. I downplay it a lot because it's just too big in my brain for me to take at times. He said, I am not him and he is not me, but there is a we. But the human part of me, the the part that's me, not him, questioned him. thought that, no, 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 I've always done it this way. Well, that was my problem, was that I've always done it that way. But he didn't say, oh, Nadia, you're wrong. He just waited. He was patient. And he taught me along the way because the only way I could change, even with Christ screaming in my ears at times, The only way I could change was to change myself. 
And the only way anyone can change can change themselves. So what happens when fear is so strong and the love is so weak within a soul that it affects others negatively? Is that people will break up with the negativity, not with you. There's no reason to like or not like a person. But they do have a reason to not like negativity. No one needs more of it. So if somebody that they meet at work that isn't part of their everyday life in terms of family and someone that they are responsible to or for, they're not going to want to interact because it's too big of a load. You got to take the whole subset of someone's experiences and what they think they need from the world or the world is bad. That's, that's too much. It's not good or bad. It's just too much. That's where families come into play. That's where close friends come into play. People who we invest time, lifetimes with. And unfortunately for a lot of people, they don't want to deal with their families. So they never get to deal with their stuff either. This world at this time in our history is a busy, pressured, stressful world where the lines, at least in America, are blurred between right and wrong. Greta Thunberg, she did an interview, and she, someone asked her how she felt about America and how they felt about climate change. And because she's not coming from fear, she said, well, what did you think of America when you first got here? Because she took a boat to get to New York. And she said, you know, I was on this boat and it was quiet. All I really heard were the waves. There was the boat. There was me. And I was in this quiet place for days till I got to New York. And then when I got to New York, there were smells. There was noise. There were a lot of people. It was just the complete opposite of where I've been, which would be normal. If you're out in the ocean by yourself, you're going to be quiet. And if you're in New York, that's one of the busiest places in the entire United States. So then she was asked, well, how do you feel America feels about climate change? Because that's her forum. That's her passion. That's her love. And she said, well, in America, It's not about climate change. It's about whether someone believes it or not. But where I come from is fact. We know that this is going on and we are trying to fix it. We're not arguing about whether or not it's going on. And she's a teenager. But her eye is on the ball. And she is on that other side. She's one of many people in her age group that have their eye on the ball. They are the changers of their generation. They are the aware of their generation. Because every generation needs leaders. 
But if we chose the leaders that fear, what will happen to us? We will weaken, not only as a country or state, but world by world by world of thought will get attacked by fear because fear is contagious. Just like love is contagious, but we don't look at love as contagious. We look at love as fear. But if I invest, if I love, if I try, I could fail. That fear of failure. Some people get scared to tell people that, oh, I'm going out on a date or I'm going to interview for a new job until they get it because they fear that if they talk about it, they will not get it. But let's say they did talk about it. And let's say their friend said, hey, on an interview, you might want to wear this kind of clothes and you might want to do this, things that will help you. You would never know that if you didn't share because fear got in the way between you and sharing what could be good news. Because when we don't believe in ourselves or in the magic of life, We're so scared of it that we only want to share good news for the most part. If there's a workforce that doesn't believe in love over fear, that's something you have to ask yourself because you're going to face that every single day if that's where you're going. If you're the one with the negativity, understand that they're breaking up with the negativity, not with you. That's a great question. And that topic is a never-ending topic. However, today is Friday. The weekend is coming and the show is ending. So I will see you. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.